for joining us with these podcasts. They are designed to challenge us in the Christian faith. We hope that they do that for you. And we also hope that sometime you will join us at First Christian Church in Malvern. May God bless you. to go with a lesson that he has given that's not in your book because your book says uh, flee fornication chapter 3 he gave a lesson on top 10 things that kill growth and I think it not only applies to a church but it applies to some of the relevant things that we see going on in our society today. <clears throat> and I'm not going to get political, <laughs> okay? Uh, they have asked us not to do that, and so I won't do that. But I will get principle, where I'm going to talk about principles. And we have to apply it to our lives and what is going on today. Uh, let's take a look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And this actually covers, it actually covers through chapter 6. And you may remember that, that Corinth is this city that has a great location. There's no other congregations or churches there just the Corinth church. It's established by Paul, an apostle. So they were given sound teaching and there were many talented people and spiritually gifted people in that church. But something started going horribly wrong. Uh, the author says, he did not feel that this was a growing church because it seemed to be practicing the things that make for church growth, but they really were not putting them into action. And Paul is going to list 10 things that uh, they were doing that was killing growth. Now, I think we can see that for the church I think we can see that for a country or any uh, organization, but there's 10 things that will kill the church, 10 things that will kill an organization, and they're all related to God, regardless. Uh, I'm going to read the, the uh, second chapter here and it says when I came to you brethren I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. 
that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Now we've covered that part. Then in the sixth verse it says, Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery that hideth wisdom, which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which uh, none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. I, I want to point out one point here. I know he's talking about the religious Jews. But I think any leadership that does not acknowledge God is in for big trouble. Because only God gives a wisdom that is lasting. Verse 9, I'll read on. But just as it is written, things which eyes have not seen or ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man. All that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man. Except the Spirit of the man which is in him. Even so the thoughts of God. No one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God. The things uh, we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but those that are taught by the Spirit, Combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man, a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Isn't it interesting that Paul says you have to have spiritual thought. You must appraise things spiritually and not by the wisdom of the world. Why is that? Someone take a stab, a guess. Why is that? Because the things of the world are not necessarily the things of the Spirit. The things that the world would have you do, the things that the world accepts, certainly are in direct contrast to what the Spirit of God would have us do. So we have to listen to the higher power, which would be the spirit and not the flesh, not the world. Right. In fact, that, that causes us 
to let go of temporary things and hold on to things that will last, right? Because it's spiritual. And the things of the spirit will last. But the things of the world's going to change, isn't it? Especially that logic. <clears throat> so Satan, we're all in agreement that Satan wanted to attack the Corinthian church, right? Does Satan want to attack any church? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Satan is behind the destruction of things. He's behind that. So he wants to destroy this church. And so he's going to make believers doubt in the wisdom of God. And he's going to make them hold on to the wisdom and logic of the world. When, when Ben was a young boy, <laughs> I used to say to him, son, what are you doing when he did something wrong? I said, you know that's not even logical. You and your logic, dad, where do you get your logic? Well, that was a very valid question. Where do we get our logic? Where do we get our set of right and wrong? Where do we do it? Someone tell me. From the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Say it again. Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Word of God. That is our standard for spiritual truth. Why do we hold the word of God as the standard for right and wrong? Because he was the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That's right, because the word became flesh. It's Jesus. It's God. It's deity. And so therefore, those words hold authority. When we take the Word of God and we view it as a history book, there's no authority in that. It's just telling a version of history. But when we take the Word of God as being God-breathed, then there's authority with it. And so what Satan does he tries to get us to believe in the wisdom of the world rather than the wisdom of God. This is what is going on at Corinth. Now, let's, let's see how it's going on in Corinth. It's going on in Corinth because they have all of these leaders that they follow, which were philosophers. And they taught about the wisdom of the world. This is what the world view is. Christians have a different world view, don't we? What is our world view? Take a stab. Anyone? Stab? Our world view centers on... The Bible, God's Word, that, that we view everything through the filter of the Holy Scriptures and what God would have us do. 
So there are certain things that the Bible teaches us that's going to happen, and we believe it, because the Word of God says it. There are certain things that are going to happen. We believe that. There are certain things that are important according to the Word of God. So we believe that. Our worldview is based on the Word of God and the principles that are important in the world in, in the Word of God. Now, remember when we studied Ecclesiastes? Let's do some application here. Solomon was talking about his world without God. You remember that? And he was talking about power. What did he say happens to power without God? Do you remember? It's all meaningless. It becomes corrupt. In the words of Macbeth, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah, absolute power corrupts absolutely. So to the world, power is something you want. But Jesus talked about humbling yourself, becoming a servant. That goes exact opposite of what the world would say. I can't begin to tell you how many times in Haiti a new administration would begin and somehow it became corrupted and the power was self-serving rather than a servant serving to the people. Now we will see that happen in societies as well as the church. Have you ever known of a church where either the preacher became the power Yeah, I have too. Or maybe a group of elders and one elder was running the whole show. You see, that's not the way God wants it, is it? So Satan goes in there and he's teaching them to obey the world's definition of power, the world's definition of wisdom, the world's definition of logic. But it's based on wholly different principles than godly, godly ones. Now, isn't it important that when Jesus gave his commission, the great commission, he added, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. All the principles that Jesus stood for was to be taught to his disciples. Right? So, this is causing a problem. They're not following the right authority, are they? Now, Take a look at verse, uh, chapter 3 
and I'll read the first three. The reason why I'm reading is when we had you read, uh, we couldn't hear real well on the podcast, so I'm going to go ahead and read this. He says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to babes in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you're not able. For you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? Are you not walking like mere men? You see, there's a problem here. They're being babies. Did you ever say that to your kid? <laughs> your grown kid? <laughs> Stop being a baby. <laughs> okay. Grow up. But they're being, they have refused to move on at some point in their life, in their spiritual growth. Immaturity isn't just being an, a new Christian. There are people who've been Christians years and years and years and years and years, but they've been immature. What causes that? It's a lack of just training yourself in the Word of God and uh, fellowshipping with other Christians. And, you, know, you just kind of hold on to the belief that you're saved and that's all the more that needs to happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm saved and that's it and that's what's important. And, and they never grow spiritually. They're never challenged spiritually. And, and sometimes a church won't grow because they don't want to grow. They don't want to move on. They don't want uh, to, to grow in their faith, to learn. Or here's a word that I use a lot, submit. Does growth involve submitting? Submitting to a teaching? Submitting to, to the rules of Christ in our life? And if you're unwilling to submit to the Word of God, then you're not going to grow. It's not going to happen. So, secondly... Being babies is going to have a church that just doesn't grow. A Christian that doesn't uh, grow will, dr will dry up, if you want to say it that way. Well, thirdly, uh, there, there's an interesting verse here. Let's go through 4 through 9. He says, For one says, I am of Paul. And another, I am of Apollos. Are you not mere men? What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God, 
was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. But each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Okay, let's we'll stop there for, for now. You see, what's happening, this third problem they've got, there's absolutely no teamwork. Paul is saying, we're a team. This is what God uses is a team. He said, Apollos watered. I planted, but Apollos watered, and God brings the, the growth. But you're not willing to work as a team. Now, th does anybody remember uh, the problem they had with spiritual gifts in that church? Anybody remember? Or they were kind of thinking that some were more important than others. Yeah. They were, because some had higher honor, they felt, which is a worldly view, not a spiritual view, because spiritual gifts are supposed to help the body. So, yeah, and they're thinking, it's about me. While others are saying, well, Apollos speaks better than Paul. I follow Apollos. Others say, no, no, Paul came here. And so who are they following? People, not Jesus. People. Isn't that easy to do as a church? To follow a person rather than God? I always say, don't take my word for it. You check out the word of God. Now, Paul's going to make a statement here that is kind of mind-blowing, but we'll understand why he said it here in a little bit. There's absolutely no teamwork going on here. That's, that's the third problem. He says, so who is Paul? Who is Apollos? God's the one that's doing the building, <clears throat> but you're not submitting to him. Now, he goes on to say... Uh, a number of things, four things that I jotted down. That everybody has a job, right? Would you agree with that? Everybody has a job? Yep. Everybody has a job. But everybody relies on each other. Don't let power corrupt. And there's something else that they're not doing. They're not giving God the glory. They're taking the glory. You know, look what I've done. Look what spiritual gift I have. My, I'm more important than anyone else. So they're not giving God the glory that God has led me, God has placed me here to, to preach the Word of God, to teach the Word of God, and 
may he receive the glory for that. They're not doing that. And the fourth thing that we understand in this passage is God makes the growth. If they're not going to honor him, it's not going to grow. I don't know how many churches have come up to me and said, why is Malvern growing? And there's probably many things I could say. Some of them would be we reach out to the community. But it's more than that. I think it's because we do want God to have the glory. Our end goal is not to lift ourselves up, but to lift Him up. If we ever lose sight of that, we're just a worldly organization. We've got to remember that. Uh, it seems like in Corinth they're trying to get into position because they want the applause, they want the glory, they want the power. And uh, someone once said this, you can accomplish anything if you don't care who gets the credit. And I would say, as long as God gets the credit. <laughs> but I don't care who gets the credit for doing this, doing that, as long as they give glory to God. Mark, I read an article about a church in Kentucky where they decided, their team of pastors decided that the only senior pastor was going to be Jesus. And so on their outside billboard, they had senior pastor Jesus Christ because they felt that too many people were attaching themselves to different individuals or pastors within the church. I thought that was really a kind of a cool idea. So they have a team of pastors, no one senior, no one, they're just a team of pastors, but Jesus Christ is the senior pastor. I like that. I, like I that. do. I just think that's pretty cool. When, when I was at Houndstein, I put equipping <laughs> minister as my title because my job was to equip the people with the word of God so that they can go equip people with the word of God. Um, that, that's important that we give God credit. Um, how about number four is, is something too that, that stunted their growth. Um, let's look at verse 10 here for a minute. It says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building upon it. But let each man be careful how he builds upon it. If you have poor teaching and you're building on the foundation that was laid, and you're teaching wrong things, it's going to crumble, isn't it? It will fall down. Most ministers, when they go to a church, they like to read why the church was founded. Have they lost their mission, their original thought? Paul is saying here, <clears throat> you've got to have good teaching. Uh, 
It, it's like uh, when Jesus talked in Matthew 7. Remember the song that we used to sing as kids? The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And then the rains came and it stood. But the, what did the foolish man build on? Sand. 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 Not a good foundation. So you got to have this good foundation. There are particular denominations that I'm not going to mention, but uh, one that I can think of that they are really floundering. And I'm not sure that they were built on the right foundation. <clears throat> if you look at the Church of England, the king wanted to divorce his wife and the Pope said no and then he turned around and he says I'll start my own church Church of England was started if you follow that through my what a mess they're in foundations are really important uh, <clears throat> it's important that, that we have good teaching by the way, I can't wait till Sunday schools get going again. The survey that I sent out, uh, we're just trying to get it going somehow in some way. And, and uh, I know Tom was in on that meeting. And we're trying real hard. Uh, so I think some might be able. We're going to work it out. We'll have another meeting when we get all the results. But it's going to happen soon because I can't, I can't wait. <laughs> For that, I think it's important. Uh, so, look at Hosea 4 6, and I'll just read this. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I mean, good teaching has to come. Now, let's look at, uh, let's, let's read on. Uh, <clears throat> Paul goes on, he talks about building here. He says, no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is uh, Jesus Christ. So that's why that great commission is so important when he says, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. He says, now if any man builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built upon it remains, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet as through fire. Now, he then talks about the temple of God. In verse 16, he says, For do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. 
what is Paul getting, what's his point in talking about you being a temple of God? We are to keep ourselves holy and pure for the service of the Lord. Yeah. And our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit resides in us. Yeah. Because we have a Holy Spirit dwelling in us, how we live should be holy. And this is the fifth reason why they're having trouble. They're not living holy lives. They're, they're messing around. They're tampering with the temple. How they live. <clears throat> there are people that are saying, it's okay to go to the temple of the prostitutes. It's okay to live ungodly lives, as we would say. But to them, they believed that the body was evil and the spirit was good. So therefore, the body could do anything it wanted. Yes, you could go to prostitutes. You could take drugs. You could drink and get drunk. That's what your body wants. Give what your body wants, but your spirit is what's important. Now that is the philosophy of their world. But Paul is giving a spiritual philosophy or wisdom when he says, your temple is a holy place for God's Holy Spirit to dwell in. And they were living all kinds of abuse to their bodies. And God's not going to have that. He's not going to bless that. Does God bless sin? No. He doesn't bless sin. So Paul is correcting this idea of the body and how important it is because they have taken the wisdom of their world and they've applied it to Christianity. And Paul says, this is going directly against the wisdom of God. So, uh, it's interesting I've heard this said, don't insult the Holy Spirit by the way you live. Don't insult him. So there's, there's more here. He's, he went on, he says, uh, verse 18, let no man deceive himself. Boy, deception is something, isn't it? Isn't it subtle? How we can be deceived especially if we're not in the word of God but he says let no man deceive himself if any man among you thinks that he is wise in his this age let him become foolish so that he may become wise here we go the opposites right of the world he says for the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God for it is written He's the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise, that they are useless. So, then let no man boast in men, 
For all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, by the way, Cephas is, is uh, Peter, or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all things belong to you. You belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. I want you to notice the order how, isn't Paul orderly and how he puts things? <coughs> there's, there's a whole order of stuff. And is God a God of chaos? No. He's a God of order. Now here's where I'm going to get personal. Because what I see in our society right now is not orderly. It is chaotic. There is a difference. There is a difference between protesting and rioting. I feel that there is an underlying current, I'm getting political, in our country that wants chaos. We need order, we need authority, we need law. But we've got to have the law based on godly principles. And that's the important thing. When power has become corrupt, we've got to change the power. And, and when, when things become chaotic, that's not godly. I mean, the word of God tells us that. So I don't agree with all of the rioting. It's one thing to protest when something hasn't been done right. It's another thing to totally dismantle stuff into chaos where there is no authority. And we are seeing that happening. I think there is an underground movement to have that done. I think it is satanic because that's what Satan does. I think we should have justice for all. I think we should have equal rights for all because that's what the Bible teaches. And I base those values on the Word of God. But I cannot and will not ever agree with chaos, anarchy, not at all. I just wanted to say that. Okay. So we're dealing here with all kinds of principles that are wrong. I mean, stop and think about this, people. When Adam and Eve sinned, they had a problem with authority, didn't they? God said, don't do it. What'd they say? I'll do it. <laughs> they listened to the wrong wisdom, didn't they? We got to be careful in our society that we're listening to the right wisdom that holds to the principles that we find in this word of God. 
Now, whenever it comes to God's word, you know, don't change it. Don't play with it. The Corinthian people are trying to do that. It's going to ruin that church. It will destroy that church. Especially when it comes to God's laws of what is right and what is wrong. We cannot give up the authority that God has in our lives or in our society. Um, number seven. They had poor role models. Uh, verse 14. He says, If any man's work which he has built upon remains, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, as, uh, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are that temple of God? Okay. And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Uh, be imitators of God, people. Have the right role models. Uh, there's a battle for power, isn't there? Do you feel the tension? Sure you do. As Christians, don't you feel that tension between Satan's power and God's power? We feel that all the time, don't we? We see it. Well, Paul went on to say in, uh, he says, let's, let me find it here. Uh, oh, he went on to say that you belong to Christ. Uh, he went on to say that, um, have you ever thought about, generally, a group rarely rises above its leadership. Have you ever thought about that? A group rarely rises above its leadership. Now is that true in the church? Yes? No? Maybe? Yes. Yes. The church is only going to be as good as the leadership. Why? Because that leadership is following Jesus. He's on the sign in front. Jesus. And I think a country is only going to be as good as the leadership. And that leadership has to be following or we'll be in trouble. Uh, the church grows in proportion to its leadership. And they will be held accountable. Do you notice what Paul said there? He said that the, the works are going to be held accountable. He said, uh, If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. They are held accountable. There's all kinds of scriptures, people, about 
all of the prophets that we have studied in our prophets and prophecy class have pointed out that the leadership was not following God's ways. And in every case, and in every case, they were being destroyed. In fact, it, many of the prophets named the leadership, the king, the priests, uh, the, the, uh, the court system is even mentioned because for a lack of justice, all of these need to align and be accountable to God. I see this happening in our society, even in our country at times. Now, there's another area, which is number eight, and it's, it's found in the fifth chapter. And I'll read verse one. It says, it is actually reported that there is immorality among you. An immorality of such a kind as does not exist even among the Gentiles. That someone has his father's wife. What, what does that mean? Someone sleeping with his stepmother. Yes. He is sleeping with his stepmother. Now, it probably is the stepmother because it's the way it's put in that first verse. It doesn't say you're sleeping with your mother. Yeah. It's, it's saying you're sleeping with your father's wife. And look at verse 2. And you have become arrogant. <clears throat> And have not mourned instead in order that the one who has done this deed might be removed from your midst. And Paul is really upset over this particular sin. He says, for I on my part, though absent in the body, but present in spirit, have already judged him who has so committed this as though I were present. In the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled, and, and I with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, I've decided to deliver such one to Satan for the, the destruction of his flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. And look at verse 6. Your boasting is not good. They're boasting about this. Now, let's suppose that you have heard there's freedom in Jesus. Have you heard, ever heard that? There's freedom in Jesus. We no longer have to follow the law, right? We are a New Testament church. We don't have to follow the law, right? Yes, no? Hello? That's what the New Age yes. churches are teaching? Yes. And some Christian churches teach that. But what about the principles of morality? Has God changed? No. Yeah, I don't have to give sacrifices because that was fulfilled in Jesus. 
But there is a morality that, that continues on. The law of Christ, which is love, which covers a lot of areas to, to live your life properly. But these people are boasting about this sin that's going on. They're calling wrong, right? Have we ever heard that? When the Bible says something's wrong and we say it's okay. It's all right. Wow. Isn't that dangerous? To call evil good? Recently, I heard on the news when I was listening that the rioting was going on and they kept saying, that's okay. And that sort of angered me because I wanted to say, it's not okay to destroy property. It's not okay. That's not right. We've got to be careful or homo when we make a stand for ho against homosexuality. I mean, doesn't the Bible say it's wrong? We can't compromise immorality. That's, that's devastating. Have you ever thought, why are sexual sins so devastating? Have you ever pondered that in your life? Because there are physical consequences, there's emotional consequences. Um, you're violating what God intended your body to be used for. There's all kinds of consequences to it. Yeah, and if we represent Christ, and he said we're ambassadors, how are we representing Christ in our immoral sexual sins? <clears throat> Isn't that dangerous? I, I've known people that I've talked to that has dealt with pornography in their life. And they say, well, I do that on my own. And I said, can you get those images out of your mind? Are you looking at women as something to be used rather than respected? You see... The world will tell you that wrong is right. The world will do that. And that is number eight, that, that immorality is destroying this church. Now let's talk about ignorance. Take a look at verse chapter six. And I'm going to start with verse nine. Or do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, or adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. And the next verse is important. 
And such were some of you. But you have been washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the spirit of our God. Some of the people in Corinth. And in that church. Had been people like that. Now I've heard it said. That you accept Jesus. And uh, <clears throat> you're washed. Regardless of how you live. And here's the point. I, I get really nervous about once saved, always saved philosophies because this tells me, this tells me that just because you have verbally said, I believe in Jesus and you're not practicing what Jesus stands for. He says, do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? We got to be careful of these things. It's important that our life lines up. Now, verse 11, once again, such were some of you. They were changed. Now, does that mean they never sinned again? Hmm? No. No, it doesn't mean that. But it means that they are striving for a higher ground in godly living. Uh, I think it's important that you realize in the next part, it says the body's the Lord's, belongs to God, he's paid that price. So, sometimes in the church we're careless about our faith, about our service, we ignore the fact that God uh, will reject lukewarm Christians. He will, won't he? And uh, we need to, to truly realize that there is a day of judgment and it will happen. Now, the last one here, ingratitude, number 10. Number, number nine, I'm sorry, was ignorance. Living in ignorance. Do you not know? He said. Don't you understand? And the tenth one is that ingratitude. Look at verse 19 and 20 in uh, chapter 6. He says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and that you are not your own for you've been bought with a price therefore glorify God in your body uh, look at uh, Romans 1 21 someone look that up and I will have you read that one Romans 1 21 And someone read it. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, 
neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. You see, the, the primary sin here is that they don't glorify God. When it came down, they exchanged the truth for a lie, and that's what happens. And they're not glorifying. They're, and you know, when you don't, how many of you, when you were a kid, uh, had a birthday party? Anybody here, when you were little? Did you ever have a birthday party? No? Nobody had birthday parties. Oh my! If I did, we had a snowstorm and only two people came. That was your mother and dad. Yeah. I remember my mom saying to me, this money came from Uncle Jess and Aunt Alice. Well, I knew what was expected. I would turn and I would say, Uncle Jess and Aunt Alice, thank you. They said, always show your gratitude. When we live in a way that does not honor God, that number 10 is ingratitude. We live without gratitude to God. Now, Paul says that in Romans, he says this in, in, in uh, Corinthians, don't you realize you've been bought with a price? Are you not grateful for that? <clears throat> so, the real thing here as we look at this poor church, this poor church is being bombarded, being bombarded by Satan. And there's these 10 areas that's trying to tear the church down. Now, I want you to, to realize one thing. You are the church, right? And so Satan uses these tactics on you and on me. He does it all the time. And we must rise above and understand the schemes of Satan and how he works. Any questions? Nope. Any comments? <clears throat> I think the recent Supreme Court decision is a flagrant uh, example of this particular lesson. Yep. Yep. Our, our value system is being completely changed. And how sad that is. There is an underlying force that is trying to destroy that which represents God. Okay, group. Hope I didn't bore you to death with this one, but I thought that this one was an important lesson and we needed to look at it. Okay, God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you, Mark.
Thank you for joining us on this podcast. We hope that you will join us at First Christian Church of Malvern, which is located at 4046 Coral Road, Northwest in Malvern, Ohio. May God bless you and have a great day.